0: Morning, church. Morning. We are so glad to have you here with worship and worshiping with us this morning. You know, uh, I pray that you guys had a great week. Uh, I did after the rain stopped. Um, I don't like rain especially that much. And I saw a guy coming from Home Depot with a huge trailer of wood. I was like, he knows something we don't. Just saying. But uh, but uh, no, I'm so glad to be here. And uh, so we're gonna finish our series, our full four week series on soul care. You know, in the first two weeks. We're a little real, little rough, okay? We, we talked about anxiety, how anxiety can um, just tear away at your soul. And then uh, we lightened it up by talking about death and grief, uh, about how that can tear away at your soul as well. And then the next two weeks, the last week and this week, we're talking about practices that we can do to, to uh, increase the health of our soul, okay? So last week, we talked about David and how David... Made a lot of bad decisions. He made a a lot of mistakes. all right. And and we talked about how the confession that David had led to the healing of his soul. And you know, a lot of times when we think about our soul and we think about what's going on with our soul, usually we look at what causes it. But we hardly ever look at how we can fix it. Like, we, we look at, we know this is causing the harm to my soul, but a lot of times we don't look at how to fix it. So last week, number one is confession. Confession is good for the soul. We talked about that. Today, we're going, first off, we're going to give a definition of what your soul is. You know, there's a lot of people that have their own definition or, or, or own uh, view of what a soul is, and this is one I, I really liked that, that I found. It says, it is the non-physical part of who you are that makes you who you are. It is the image of God in you and may include your your will or intellect or even your emotions. It is the part of us that is redeemable and will live on after our body dies. When you look at a soul, you need to understand when we pass and we go into eternity, the only thing left of us is our soul. You get that, right? Our bodies do not come with us. All right? It's our soul is the only thing that's left. And so that's why it's so important for soul health care, right? For you to take care of your soul on a daily basis. Because we need rest. We need peace. And the only place that you're going to find rest and peace in your soul is in Jesus Christ. 100%. You know, and we try to find rest and peace in our soul by looking at a whole, other, a whole bunch of other different things, and we wonder why we can't have peace and rest in our soul. because we're looking in the wrong place. When you want peace in your soul, church number one, we have to look to Jesus Christ, 100%. All right, so today, the, the practice we're going to talk about that can help your soul is one that I appreciate and I really love, and that's worship. Right? And worship can be good and very helpful for the health of your soul. A couple years ago, I was speaking at the state youth convention in Virginia, and I was in Virginia Beach, and they had this worship band that was phenomenal. I mean, you didn't know phenomenal was three syllables, but it was phenomenal. Okay. And I remember they, they worshiped for 50 minutes and I mean, people were, chains were falling off. And I I remember I was like, this is amazing. So, so blessed to be a part of this. And the guy that uh, introduced me hopped up and he said, we don't even need a preacher anymore. I was like, okay, do I go home? Like, what do I do now? And then it hit me. I get it. I get what he was saying. When you have true worship, man, it can be powerful. Man, it can be relaxing. Man, it can, be, it can just put freedom in you from things that you're dealing with every day. So today, we're going to talk about worship. And we're also going to keep focusing on David. If you guys have your Bibles, we're going to be in uh, Psalms 103. We won't be there for a little bit, but just giving you a heads up. But we're going to talk about David. And before we talk about David, we need to kind of backtrack a little bit. We need to focus, talk about what happened last week. So last week, David made a lot of mistakes. We talked about that. And then he entered into confession, and it helped his soul. And then he says in Psalms, uh, Psalms 32, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. So when David was quiet about what was going on, he was, his soul was just, uh, just just on the downward slide. David, when he said he was quiet about it, is when his body really became just weak, and so when we look at this, and, and we, we look at uh, Psalms 32, when it says, when I kept silence, my bones wasted away. David had no inner peace. And in 2 Samuel, this is when David said, I have sinned. He confessed. He confessed to what he did. And so once David confessed, in Psalms 32, it says this. He declares, many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. David is saying, there is many a sorrows, there's many a things that I did wrong, but there is steadfast love in God, and we need to praise that, and we need to worship that. And that's what David said. He said, and shout for joy. Some of our singing sounds like shouting, right? Mine does. But, but he, he says, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. There is power in worship to God. And a lot of people is like, you're just talking about music. No, I'm not. Worship is just not music. It's just not singing. Worship is l- literally giving up yourself to God and worshiping him and thanking him and, and appreciating what he does. And so when we talk about worship and we talk about the inner peace that worship gives us, I want to read a definition of of worship that I found. It says this the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So it tells us that the chief end of man, so basically, when when your body is gone, and the last thing that you need to be doing is praising Him and worshiping Him. Because guess what you're going to be doing the minute you walk up and, and show up to heaven? What's it say we're going to do in scripture? We're going to worship. There's going to be a celebration of angels right? We're going to worship as soon as we get up there. So worship is very important. It's very important for your soul. So when we say, talk about worship and we talked about that you're created for worship because you are, we're all, you know, I get it. We're, we're created for evangelism. Yes. We're supposed to go out and reach other people. We are created for evangelism. Absolutely. We are create, created to spread the word of God, you are, you are out there to spread the word. We are, we are created to be in the word of God. Read our Bibles, study it, get into the word, but we are also created for worship. We are created to worship. When we look at David, and we look at what happened to David, a lot of us wouldn't have made it through it. Let's be honest. David was in a season of his life where he knew A lot of bad things happened, and a lot of it, if not all of it, was self-inflicted. And so David, I guarantee you, because he struggled with anxiety, he struggled with grief, he struggled with the, the pressure that happens when you confess. But most importantly, what we touched on a little bit last week, David and Bathsheba lost that child. So he didn't just go through the anxiety and grief process he didn't go through the depression process. He didn't go through the confession process. He went through all of that, and it was concluded with the death of his child. But I want you to, to really, really look at the Scripture we're going to dive into. I want you to see what David did. I'm a true believer that in Scripture, God is very specific with the wording. I, I truly believe that. Now, let's read this. It says that in 2 Samuel 12:20. It says, "Then David arose from the earth. He washed and anointed himself. He changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and did what? Church. He worshiped. David just went through something that most of us wouldn't have made it through. David just went through something that would have absolutely uh, took away all of uh, all of our being in us. But David entered into a time of worship. David had nothing left. Church. He was on empty." He was emotionally drained. He was physically exhausted. He had nothing left. But he entered into worship. You know, when we come into a time of worship, a lot of times I hear people say, well, I'm just not in the mood for worship, or I'm just so tired. Well, here's the thing. If you want to be energized, if you want to let go of that burden that's making you exhausted, enter into worship see what happens cuz i am a firm believer that you cannot worry and worship at the same time i'm a firm believer if you're in true worship there's no way you can worry none there's no way you can think about the things that are tearing you down while you're worshiping and giving everything you have to god and saying thank you thank you for what i have and so when we look at the story of david david was exhausted he had nothing left Church, I know all of us have been to a point where we're exhausted, where our tanks are empty, and the last thing on our minds is to worship God, but it needs to be one of the first things we go to when we feel drained and exhausted, because there's power in worship. There's power in in what worship can do, and we're going to get into that a little later, and how worship is so good for your soul. So if you guys have your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalms 103. We're going to go through all the text. And we're going to kind of dive deep into it. So the first one, verse 1. And you've got to understand, David wrote this as a song. And a lot, of, a lot of scholars believe that David wrote this later in life. So he's past all the Bathsheba. He's past the death of his child. He's past all that. So it's later down the, down the road. And, and, and David uh, is in a time of meditation. And he writes this. And verse 1 says this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Church, do you truly believe that the the holy name is God? 100%. The holy name is God. God is holy. And so David starts off this entire Psalms by reminding us all one thing that it's so simple, but it's one of the first things that fall through the crack when stuff happens is, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and bless his holy name. That should not be the first thing that falls off when stuff happens in our life. It should be the one thing that we grab a hold of. It's the one thing that we should absolutely just take our hands and just uh, grab a hold of it for dear life. And that's what David is saying. David is telling us that, that no matter what happens, he says in verse one, to start off this entire thing, is there's ho- the holy name is God and you can grab a hold of it. Church, I know a lot of times when we make a mistake, we just start flailing, we start grabbing a hold of stuff that, that we think is going to save us, and then when it doesn't save us, we get all upset and bent out of shape because we're like, how, why did this not help? Because you're grabbing a hold of the wrong name. You weren't grabbing a hold of the holy name of God. So why is worship good for the soul? Three reasons. Because it, Number one is because it helps us be specific in our gratitude. It's personal. Right? How many of you guys love getting cards from people, right? And, and, and not just what it says on the card, but maybe on the other side, they write a personal note. That makes you feel good, right? Because it's personal. I'm not that guy. I'll sign my name. You can't even read it. Here you go. Happy birthday. That's me. But it's when it's personal, it means a lot more. And so when we are having trouble with our soul and we enter into worship, it's good for our soul because it's personal, it's personal. The, the, and David talks about that. We're going to uh, continue on to verse two through seven, and David is listing things that he's grateful for. And it starts. It says, "Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with." Good so that your youth is renewed like eagles. How many of you guys are youthful eagles? Okay, just make sure you're awake. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his way to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. Do you see how specific David was? He mentioned an eagle in a song. You got to be specific when you do that, right? He was specific about what he's grateful for. He was specific in his worship about what God has done in his life. How many of you guys, when you pray, you pray specifically, right? Because when you're specific about it, it's personal. I know when I pray, I pray pray for my kids by name. When I pray for my wife, I pray for her by name. Right When I pray for my mother, I pray for her by name. Now, do I pray for some of them more than the others? Absolutely. But I pray for them by name because it's personal. It's personal. And, and when we look at the, the things that David said, we're going to go through them and enlist. Number one, he made a, a specific point to be he's grateful for the forgiveness of sins. Church, this one's pretty important. <laughs> this should be number one. David got this one right, right? Worship is good for your soul because it it makes you grateful for the forgiveness of sins. 2 Samuel 12, 13 says this, the Lord has put away your sin. The Lord has put away all your sins. We should be grateful for that. We should be grateful for, for the forgiveness that God gives us. And when we're specific about it, we can be very specific in our prayer about what we are glad that he forgave us for. What well, we are blessed, he forgave us for. So number one is forgiveness of sin. Number two, David said, I am grateful for your healing. Some says he's talking about the physical body. Uh, some scholars believe that he's talking about the sickness of the soul. But n- nevertheless, when we are worshiping and we're being grateful, we have to be grateful for the healing. Not the healing that has happened, but also the healing that's to come. But a lot of times when we enter into worship and things aren't going the way that we 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 think they should healing's one of the first ones we get upset about. You didn't heal me on my time. You didn't heal this person on their time. Church, we just need to be grateful for the healing power that comes from Jesus Christ. Amen. We need to be very grateful for it. We need to be very grateful for healing. That's number two. Number third. This one. Number third. Number three. This one's going to get me a little rowdy. I'm going to try to calm down so I don't scare you. Spiritual extraction. What does that mean? That means God has taken you out of a pit. Be grateful for it. God has taken you out of something you shouldn't have been in, and He rescued from that. Be grateful for that. Spiritual extraction. All of us have been in a time in our life where we're in a dark place. It was a pit, right? It was a place we shouldn't have been and it's a pit because it was dark. Have you guys ever had God take you out of a gutter? You know, you're in a point in your life that you're making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision and you have no idea why everything's going sideways and you don't know how you're going to get out of it. I'm going to tell you something right now and it's, it's going to upset some of you. You did not get out of that gutter by yourself. You did not. You did not get out of that pit by yourself. You got out of that pit because God spiritually extracted you from the darkness and put you into the light, which is the son of Jesus, the son of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? I mean, when, when David's, David's very specific about the spiritual extraction, David was in the dark. His whole sin with Bathsheba was, was, was pretty dark. There was a lot of dark moments in that and God took him out of that and he extracted from it. So I'm very, very grateful for the spiritual extraction that God has in our life. Amen. Amen. The next one was a crown of love and mercy. Why is this one important? Why is this one uh, in in the list? Because you got to think of the word crown. It means royalty. It means loyalty. And because God loves you, it's a royal type of love. And he shows mercy to, to those people that wears the crown of love and mercy. God loves you so much that he loves you like royalty. He surrounds you with a crown of love and mercy, not because he has to, because he chooses to. And he loves you. He loves you so much that he is putting his, the crown on you. The next one is David was, was, was talking about and he was worshiping about the goodness of God. Church, there is goodness of God, amen? And be, there is peace because of the goodness. That's what David was talking about. David was talking about the peace that comes from the goodness of God. Church, when we talk about God and we read scripture, a lot of times we don't remember how good he is. And I had someone tell me once, well, good is not a powerful enough word to describe the Heavenly Father. It absolutely is. Because there is goodness. And goodness means purity. Goodness means it's precise. Goodness is a word that 100% describes our Heavenly Father. And there's goodness in that. The last one is righteousness and justice for the oppressed. Church, we live in a day and age that we believe there is no justice around us. I'm going to tell you right now, (laughs) there is justice because of Jesus Christ. That that blood that he shed, there's justice in it. And it sets the oppressed free. Do you understand that? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, the oppressed, the the downcast, that you are set free. And if you don't confess it, there is justice. Every one of us is going to die someday. Surprise. And there's going to be a moment where God will cast his justice on us. And I'm telling you right now, when he talks about the oppressed, his heart breaks for those people because he wants us in heaven with him. So when David was talking about the righteous and the justice for the oppressed, that's a powerful, That's the I love that that was the last one. So there's an old hymn See if you guys can finish it. It says this Count your blessings, name them one by one. That means be specific. So, when you guys go into your prayer time this week, be specific about what you're blessed with. I've told you every week, we are blessed. Let's be specific about our gratitude when it comes to that. Number two, why is worship good for the soul? Because it allows us to relax in the covering of God's love. Have you guys ever noticed that worship just kind of relaxes you a little bit? It's almost like a deep breath, right? Because when you enter into worship, you know, you just feel that you're surrounded by so many people that love God, and it just relaxes you. When I go home and I hear worship music uh, blaring in the house, one or two things is happening. Number one, I'm about to have a really tough conversation with my wife because something happened. And she needs to relax before we enter into that conversation. So when I come home and there's worship music blaring, it's about to go down, all right? (laughs) Usually it's about our kids or about her job. So I prepare myself. I was like, okay, she's trying to relax. How much time do I give her, you know? And so that, or when she's cleaning, when she's cleaning the house, she likes to relax. So she listens to worship music. There is something amazing about the worship and how it relaxes us. How it just puts us in a good place to worship God. 2 Kings 3.15, it says this. It it says, um, Judah, Joram, and Jehoshaphat, they called Elisha into prophecy. So right before Elisha went into worship, it says they spoke God's word to him to prepare his heart. He started to worship. So before he entered into his call, he worshiped. Church, I encourage you this week and, and the weeks down the road, if you're entering into something that scares you, something that makes you uncomfortable, something that you don't know the outcome, enter into it in a state of worship. Lift, it, lift that situation up to him and worship, because it relaxes you. Another story in the Bible, and it's found in 1 Samuel 16, 23, when King Saul was displeased with the Lord, it says in the Bible that he was tormented by this. He was tormented by an evil spirit, and the music of David's harp calmed him. So when we talk about worship, it can calm and relax us. You know, when we talk about, I talk about my daughter a lot because, to be honest, it changed us. It it, it changed our life. It changed our ministry. It changed our marriage. It changed how I am as a father, how my wife is as a mother. So we talk about it a lot because it changed us, and we believe that she has a story that has so many different things that people just need to hear. When we entered into the time, we were about two weeks away from Gracie's surgery. The church I was serving at, we, we had a concert, and we brought in Sidewalk Prophets. And when we brought them in, and you know, I was in the green room, and I was talking to them, and I, I shared my daughter's story with them, and, and he said, we would love to bring her up in the front row, and we want to, number one, we want to pray over her, but we want to sing a song over her. And, and I, I, I said we will do that. And I want I want to read this to you. This is a song that was sang over my daughter before we left to go to Boston for her brain surgery. It says this: I'm giving you fear, you give me faith. I'm giving you doubt, you give me grace. For every step, I've never been alone. Even when it hurts, you'll have your way. Even in the valley, I will say with every breath, you never let me go. There's peace in that. There's peace and worship. Because a lot of times when we enter into things, maybe we're not really honest about the anxiety we have. Maybe we're not really honest about the fear that we have. But when we enter into a time of worship, it can relax. It can put you in a place that you can think straight. I know a lot of times we get upset with people and we just charge in like a bull and we say a lot of stuff we shouldn't say. Maybe. Some of us need to, to, when we enter into a time that we have to have a tough conversation with somebody, maybe we enter into it with a little bit of worship. Helps relax us, helps us be in the right state of mind. And I know a lot of people's like worship, you need me like worship's like a personal preference. No. I'm here to tell you it's not. You know, some people like loud worship, some people like soft worship, some people like acoustic worship, somebody some people like a full band. Some people like the old stuff, the new stuff, the the weird stuff, you know. We, We all have personal preferences, but I'm telling you this. If you're worshiping to God, it is being heard. That doesn't matter what it sounds like. If you're truly in a time of worship, you're sending it up to God. And so when we talk about worship and we talk about the number two is it helps us relax in the covering of God's love. We need to understand that when we read that and it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, that's what we're asking. God, just bless my soul. Relax me. Put me in a place, Lord, that I can be like you want me to be. Church, we enter into way many, too many situations in our life that we're so tense and we make bad decisions because we enter into it in the state of mind that we're in, not the state of mind that God wants us to be in. What happened to David? David rushed into that decision really quick. When he heard that Bathsheba was married, he still rushed into that very quickly. Maybe before we go into a time that we're in a place that we have to make a tough decision, let's enter into it with worship. Verse 8 through 18 continues to say, and it says, The Lord is merciful and gracious. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Nine, it says, he will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the steadfast love towards those who fear him. 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. 14 says, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone. And its place knows no more. Church, I want you to listen to 17. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. Church, if you want to be in a place that you can relax and take a deep breath, it's knowing that God's love for you is is, is as far as the east is from the west. It's everlasting to everlasting. Church, that should give you peace in your soul, knowing that God loves you from east to west. God loves you as far as the earth can stretch and farther. That should give you peace in your soul. Now, when we look at the scripture, and there's one part that I really like, and it says, as a father shows compassion to his children. That's what God does to us. Maybe we're stressed out, and and he just, it doesn't always feel like when we need somebody to step in, to remind us of something. It's almost like God always provides. I think we've heard that a time or two, right? God puts people in your life and he puts them smack dab right in front of you because he cares about his children. He cares about you. He loves you. So third one is this. Why is worship good for the soul? Because through it, we join in the great song of creation. Church, I want you to listen to this. God created you for a purpose. You are part of the great creation. I want you to understand that. The, the, the same God that, that created the duckbill platypus created you. He truly did. And so when we worship, we need to understand that because of that, when we enter into worship, we need to realize we are part of the great creation that God has created. Church, I am heartbroken when I talk to students and I talk to young adults. They believe they're here by accident. Right here, it breaks it every time. I have so many kids and young adults that tell me they have no idea why they're here. They have no purpose. They have no vision. Church, we need to let them know as a body of believers, God has created you for something great hold on. Hold on to, to, to the moments that you're in that your anxiety and your depression is tearing you down. Enter into that time of worship knowing God has created you for something great. You know, when I was growing up, my, my granddad was, was a pastor for years and and he was one of the most wisest men I've ever met. And he kept on telling me stuff about how to be a, a great minister, how to be a great pastor. I was like, granddad, why are you wasting your information on me? There's no way I'm going to be in ministry. None. And I remember he was always telling me, he's like, now when, when you do this, when you get into a church, you need to, I was like, granddad, seriously, stop. Let's talk about baseball or something. You know, you're, you're wasting your wisdom on me. But then, don't you know it? I was a part of God's great creation before I even knew it. And he had a purpose for me before I even knew it. God put people in my life so I could reach my purpose before I even knew it. Church, that's what we need to understand is when we enter into worship, we can see that we are part of a great creation. And that great creation includes you. If someone has ever told you you're worthless, they're wrong. If someone has ever told you that you're a waste of space, you're, they're wrong. You are part of the great creation. Embrace it. I want to read a quote to you, and it's from a book that says how to worship a king. It says, when we pray, we are preoccupied with our needs. When we praise and give thanks, we're preoccupied with our blessings. But when we worship, we are preoccupied only with God. Church, there's a day coming that everybody is going to be preoccupied with God. Everybody. There's a day coming that we're all going to be preoccupied by the Lord coming back. We need to understand that that's coming and we need to understand that's a part of creation. I want to be preoccupied with God every day. That's my prayer over every single one of you and every single one of your families is I want you to be preoccupied with every day. How you treat people, be preoccupied with God. How you respond to people treating you, be preoccupied with God. How you handle your kids after you give their grandparents, give them tons of sugar and send them home. Be preoccupied with God. But that's the one thing that we need to know when we enter into worship. There's power in worship. There's power in in what worship can do. I'm going to share a story with you in in closing. A lot of you might not get it right away, but I I want it to sink in a little bit because it took me probably eight years for it to get me. When I was growing up, my wife and I, we've dated since we were 12. And and so when we were growing up and we had our license, we were 16 or 17. You know, we never went to movies. Movies were so full of sex, drugs, and violence that uh, we just, we never wanted to go. Um, good thing we don't have to worry about that today, right? But, uh, um, but we never wanted to go. So for us to go out on a date, we would go to Christian concerts, Christian rock concerts, rap concerts. We did it all. I mean, one day we saw Chris Tomlin, the next day we saw somebody couldn't even hear the words. That was my, that, I loved it. She didn't like it too much, but, but we went. That's what we did. And I remember we grew up in a small community, and in the small community, the same people would go to all the shows. So you, it was kind of kind of like a family. You knew who was there. And I had this young man that uh, he, was, he was a local celebrity. He was 17 years old, probably one of the best quarterbacks in the state of Ohio has ever seen. Went on to play at Michigan State, did all that stuff. And his, his name was Brad. And I remember Brad would always come to our shows because he was 6'4", 6'5", and the boy always stood in front of me. So I didn't care for him very much until I got to talk to him, Then I really appreciate him. But there's one time Brad came in a little late. And when he came in, guys, have you ever seen somebody that you know they're carrying a burden? Yeah. Their shoulders are drooped. Their face is drooped. Well, that's what Brad did. He came in, and I could tell something was wrong. And we entered into a time of worship, and he stood up, and I wasn't even worried about who was on stage or any. I was worried about Brad. I kept on looking at him and and knowing that he wasn't into worship like he he usually is. And in church, I physically saw that burden come off of him. And he took a deep breath and it lifted. And then all of a sudden, Brad moves to the aisle. I'm like, what is this boy doing? He starts doing push-ups. I was like, all right, dude, we get it. You're super athletic. And he comes back over and you could tell like something was different with Brad. He had no idea why he did that. None. And all of a sudden, right in front of us, two people dropped to their knees, gave their life to Jesus Christ. And the reason why, we got to talk to him after the show. The the one kid was standing there. He's like, I don't know what happened. You know, I, I felt God was, was talking to me and, and, and was telling me I need to totally surrender and answer a call to ministry. And I was like, I am not doing that. And, and he said, God, if you want that to happen, somebody better start doing push-ups in the aisle. And Brad came over and started doing push-ups in the aisle. So this is what I want to leave from that story. There is power in worship if you're obedient. There is power in worship if you obey what God is calling you to do. As weird as it sounds, as weird as it looks, there is power in worship. Those two young kids, the one is still in ministry today because of the power of being obedient in worship. Heavenly Father, God, as we come to you in this moment, God, that's my prayer today, is God, we just want to be obedient. We want to be obedient in our worship. We want to be obedient in our our lives. We want to be obedient in our families. God, we thank you for worship, and we thank you for, for the amazing releasing power that it has. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, that breaks every chain. The relationship that we have with him, Lord. the the sense of peace we have when we're in his presence. God, I know a lot of times we get stuck in our own ways. God, we want to get comfortable with everything that we do. God, you don't call us to comfort. God, you call us to be bold. Bold in our faith, bold in our worship, bold in our discipleship. God, that's my prayer is through worship, Lord, that we can do that. That we can let go of everything that maybe has got a bear hug on us and we feel like we can't breathe. God, that's my prayer today. In your name, amen. As we enter into our last song, and church, I truly want to leave this with you. Please be obedient. Please be obedient in your life. Maybe God's calling you to something and you've been fighting it for way too long. Be obedient. Maybe he's calling you to completely surrender to him like we talked about. And be, and know that you're a part of the amazing creation that God created. So that's my prayer as we go into this last song. is Be obedient. Let's stand.